The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, today our show is about breathing and how that affects your dealing with conflict. And I am so thrilled because I have a guest today who I read his first, one of his first books years ago, The Magic of Conflict by Tom Crum. And then I noticed he has this new book out, Three Deep Breaths, and I was so thrilled to get it. I have it right in my hands, and it's called Three Deep Breaths, Finding Power and Purpose in a Stressed Out World by Thomas Crum. And let me tell you a little bit about Thomas Crum. If you don't know anything about him, he is wonderful. I've been following him for years. Thomas Crum is actually an internationally acclaimed author, seminar leader, and martial artist. His books include, as I said before, The Magic of Conflict, Journey to Center, and Three Deep Breaths, Finding Power and Purpose in a Stressed Out World. Tom leads trainings for some of the world's largest and most influential corporations, as well as for government agencies and educational institutions. And his work has taken him to all sorts of places around the world that has conflict, Russia, Northern Ireland, Africa. And he's co-led a session in Indonesia with the Dalai Lama, which is very, very exciting. Tom's work in conflict, stress, and peak performance is applicable to business as well as to personal relationships, athletic performance, and even to families. And as Ken Blanchard says, Tom Crum's programs stand head and shoulders above all others. And we have so many wonderful uh, testimonials here in the book here as well. Here's another one that I love. It says... I have spent my life in the mountains. Tom's powerful little book helps get me to the top of the highest mountain of all, my own life. And that's by Klaus Obermeier, founder of Sport Obermeier LTD. And so without ado, I want to thank you, Tom, for joining us from beautiful Colorado. Thank you, Mari. It's a pleasure. Well, first of all, I have to ask you, how is it that you decided or you became involved in dealing with, quote, the magic of conflict? <laughs> well, I think it's, uh, if we look at our lives, the one thing we can count on in it is we're going to have conflict, we're going to have stress, and we're going to be under pressure. So for me, it has always been a great interest of mine. Um, on, the, on the 
mental level, I was involved in education. I got my degree in education, but I also got my degree in mathematics, which didn't serve me so well in the conflict mode. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) what did serve me is um, a lifetime spent in sports, particularly the martial arts. And, um, And to start to recognize that so many people uh, have difficulty with conflict, and, and one of the reasons is because, you know, when you're in conflict, when you're under stress, when you're under pressure, everything's involved. Your heart's involved, your gut's involved, and your mind is involved. So what people need to learn when they want to get to real tools to resolve conflict is that it is a mind-body experience, and you must approach it from that place. You know, I love what you called, the, you know, the Akai approach, I key. I key. Thank you. Thank you for fixing that. But I really love that. Why don't you explain a little bit about that, that verbal Aikido, so to speak? Well, you know, Aikido is a martial art which I've taught for over 35 years, and and it's it's premise, like uh, some other martial arts also, is uniquely different from others in that it it sees conflict as something that you need to acknowledge instead of uh, uh, blocking it or running away or, or retaliating it is to recognize and acknowledge the situation, to maybe get offline, of course, if it's an injurious attack, but to maintain an awareness on the source of the attack, not simply to say the wrist or the punch or the kick or the whatever the weapon may be, but to go to the source of it. Um, also, it's to embrace conflict. So much of our lives, we have patterned ourselves neurologically to not really embrace the situation as something positive. I mean, it's conflict by and large is uh, it's a it's a flashlight shining on something you need to work on for most of our interpersonal conflicts. So the ability to embrace the situation is very powerful and is also demonstrated in the physical martial arts. And the third is a willingness to change. Um, most people, when you know, if somebody, if you had a conflict with someone, and you came to me and asked, you know, could I support you? And I ask well, what do you think should happen, Mari? The tendency, I know it wouldn't be you, but for most people is to talk about the other person, how you and I could collude to get them to change, when in fact the great change happens in ourselves, our ability to open up, to go from a point of view to a larger viewing point. And, you know, I love your uh, I-key approach here where you talk about that connectedness is reality and separation is an illusion. I just Absolutely. I love that. Yes. And and another one of your quotes that I've uh, that I always quote you on, of course, give you the, the uh, credit thanks. for it is where you have the nature of conflict. You know, people to me, whenever a conflict occurs, I know that there's something that can be created from it. Something great can grow out of it. Even if you have different perspectives and you start sitting down and you problem solve it, something greater can happen, a greater agreement or a, a greater solution, or a greater intelligence, or a, a greater understanding. Something can really good can come out of conflict if it's handled correctly, right? Absolutely. You know, you'd think we'd be more conscious than your average oyster, but <laughs> when, a, when a little piece of sand gets in the oyster's shell, the oyster doesn't run into one part of the shell denying the irritant's existence or hiding from it, nor does it spend millions of dollars uh, on its litigation team trying to repel the irritant. It somehow wraps its way around it. It, it brings it into its value system. It creates real pearls. You know, there's uh, the conflicts, are the, it's the grist for the mill. 
our relationships wouldn't be near our good relationships are good because conflicts have allowed us to really look at the deeper issues and come into real intimacy. Exactly. And you say here, conflict can be seen as a gift of energy in which neither side loses and a new dance is created. I love that. Yeah. You know, (laughs) most people don't quite get that we have the ability energetically to expand or to contract. And, And really, you could look at all relationships in that very simple form expansion, if you can just think of a, of a large sphere expanding, and I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about beyond our physical, is this, this sphere of energy. And those good days in which we feel like we're in the zone, when we're centered, when we're calm, when we're excited by what we're doing, purposeful, you know, there's that literally that sphere that you can feel when a person walks into the room. You know, when you walk into the room uh, and you're contracted, it feels like everyone feels that. The plants sort of shrink. The animals don't come towards you. You know, we pick up on this. The difficulty is that we have learned somehow that when we have this expansive sphere going and we happen to go into a situation, whether it's the office or the home, and the person we live with is contracted that day, our tendency is to contract. And if you just look at it from a standpoint of energy, we literally get further apart. And it takes, I think, an awareness to know that we are choosing often, unconsciously, to participate negatively in a conflict by our neurological tendency to contract our energy in the face of it. And you know, Tom, that energy is very contagious. When you walk into the room, like what you were talking about, that you walk in and you can feel like that you could cut the room with a knife, you know, there's so much tense and stress in that room. And, and I know I walk into that all the time, so I have to put up my golden shield before I walk in there to even deal with the conflict because I have to stay centered so that I don't catch that. Do you know what I'm talking about? There? Absolutely. I think, you know, you know, we don't have a lot of time together to go over the different protocols. You have many. I have many for resolving conflict. But fundamentally, they will all work if you can create an environment, a contextual environment where people feel that expansive energy. In other words, more, more specifically, people feel respected and they feel understood. You know as well as I do that when a conversation goes south, inevitably it's because one or both parties are feeling either disrespected or not understood. And to create that context, that environment, you know, that's what so much of my work is about, like in Three Deep Breaths, is to create an environment in which you can really feel both sides, the respect and the understanding. And you know what I really love about your book? You know, when you talked about the magic of conflict, a lot of it was, you know, the verbal Aikido and you tried to explain it um, intellectually. But a lot of this in your new book, Three Deep Breaths, gets into the physiological even more, doesn't it? Absolutely. What I, what I try to do there is, uh, is I really do wanted to make a simple parable. You know, so many of us, uh, you know, self-help books or reading a book, say, on stress. There's nothing can be more stressful than sitting down and reading a book <laughs> on stress when you think about it. So I wanted to create a really interesting story, a real simple story that you could get through very quickly in which you had real accessible information to help you create this environment so you can courageously step into the conflicts and stresses in your life rather than run from them. And uh, it's just a story basically of a, of a person like, so many people out there who are 
basically they've multitasked their way right out of the present moment. Right. You know, they are so busy. They are so concerned about what they're doing and what they have to do. And God only knows we have an extremely busy world we live in today. Yes. But they are so busy and so caught that they miss their primary relationships. And, you know, he's got a daughter and he's got a wife and he's just um, unconsciously missing all of those good moments and it's causing him tremendous problems. And, and he starts to recognize it not only in his body but also uh, in his relationships. But the teachers are not some, you know, guru out here or there. He meets these ordinary people who gives him some incredible insights in this little journey and it really shifts him back to the, um, to the present moment. But he also gets in touch with, with what science, and I don't use the science in here, I, I, all, the, all the, the techniques that are in the, in the story um, allow people to learn them, but the science behind them is very conclusive, that if we really want to deal with stress, and what's the chief concerns around stress these days, or the, 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 the reasons it's conflict, it isn't handled, it isn't getting resolved. If you don't burn clean with people, we lose, lose our vitality. Two is the pressure to do more, better, or... or um, uh, uh, make more money. <laughs> make more money, be on time. You know, Pay your bills. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then uncertainty. I mean, we live in such changing world. We don't know what's going to happen next week. Now, these three areas of conflict and pressure and uncertainty creates huge changes in our physiology if we let them. And, you know, so much of the stress research, uh, you know, it, that, that we read, that we hear about is coming from pharmaceutical companies selling chemicals or drugs to help us with the symptoms. Basically, when I say, what do you think about stress? Most people say it's bad. It's awful. We've got to get rid of it. It's the, it's a, the World Health Organization called it the uh, 21st century epidemic. Well, now, all that's true. But the other side of the great research that's been done is that stress can literally enhance our performance, enhance our productivity. It can increase brain processing. It can improve memory. It can, you know, these are real studies, but we don't often see them. Right. And as a result, we get primed toward the negative aspects of, of, of stress. Uh, when we are primed to the whole picture, we're able to see that you know, there's opportunities here. There's opportunities, for instance, to breathe, to get in touch with deep diaphragmatic breathing at any time during the day. And not only that, I, I call it three deep breaths, but it's not just about physiologically breathing. It's about also changing cognitively what you think about in these moments of pausing. I love these three deep breaths. In fact, you have at the back of your business card what they are. Let's talk about them because I think people will get all excited and want to read the book. So breath one, okay, is the centering breath. So why don't we talk about that a little bit first? Yeah, I think that the main thing we need to do under conflict, and I think most people can just look, people who are listening to this, at a conflict they're having right now. And our, our tendency uh, is that when we are in it is to not pause. We either go immediately into our impulsive attack back or deny or uh, avoid in some way, and usually we, we find that the situation, the conversation didn't work out so well. That pause is very important, and that pause is easy to say, but most people never practice it. You don't want to wait until something happens for you to then try to get the skill of taking a moment to breathe deep, taking a moment to align the spine, taking a moment to let the, the 
gravity flow through you so you, so you feel the weight underneath of you. Um, we need to practice that in our daily life. And then when we get into these tough situations, we're able to do it quite spontaneously. You know, most of those fight-or-flight chemicals, which happen when you're in upset, take some time to diminish. If we can do just a moment of breathing, it can really help us. So the basic nuances of the centering breath is to literally stop talking. And this doesn't take time, really. It takes intention and just get in touch with the breath. You will notice that it will be corresponding with the emotion you might feel. Anger, it might be very fast and very shallow. Fear might be the same. But when you start just noticing it, guess what? It will begin to get deeper, rounder, fuller. As it does that, you are switching on your autonomic nervous system, the key to handling stress on on a scientific level, and you'll bring it into greater balance. That's very, very important. Another nuance besides getting in touch with your breathing, again, as I mentioned, is to align the spine. Most of us, if we catch ourselves any time during the day, we'll find that we lack a little bit of symmetry. Usually our chest might be caved in a little bit, our spine is slumped over, we have one arm over the other or one leg over the other. When you just ask yourself to align, you'll get into greater symmetry. Gravity will start flowing for you. And the third aspect of the centering breath is to get present in the moment, which means to really start to consciously make distinctions in your environment right now. That will pull you out of your mental dilemma. Uh, it'll pull you into the present moment, and it'll, it'll really give you the pause you need to be more effective. You know, you, you probably laugh at me, but in my mediations, when things get hot, I have these Asian bells. <laughs> Well, they're and, great. Yeah. yeah. And when 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 people start to want to attack each other or the level of problem solving turns into you know ac- accusations, I tell everybody to stop for a second. I ring the bells and I just ask them to listen to the bell until that's it true. until it stops. And you know, obviously I breathe. So that's that's one thing that I do in mediation when it gets hot is I have those bells and and now people will say to me when they're in mediation, well, you didn't have to use your bells today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You should use them anyway, Mari, because it's really a beautiful idea. And I invite people to look at different anchors. I mean, when they get up in the morning, see, what you want to do is begin to practice. It's a beautiful thing. It doesn't take time. It brings you into a sense of clarity and power, so why not practice it? And there's so many things that we can do on a daily basis that could, that could get us back into this centering breath. When you get into the car, you put on a, what people call what? A seatbelt. Seat belt, yeah. Instead, you should call it a centering belt. I Just love it. When you pull it around you and you hear the click, the click should get you to what? Align the, spot, the, the spine, get in touch with your breath for just a moment, take a few deep breaths, and get clear about who you are and where you are right now. And you'll be amazed. When you come to a red light, it's no longer a red light, Mari. It's a centering light. Right. Start to shift your, and when you boot up the computer, you're booting up your center. So, you know, when you turn it on and you have that little bell and you're waiting a moment or two, have that be an anchor for center. So everyone else out there should pick two or three or four things that they do every day and use it as a centering practice. It's when you're amazing. stuck in traffic. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, in L.A., they say, someone did a study once and said the average person living 
you know, born in today and living on maybe to 80-some years will spend six months 24-7 stuck in traffic. Well, my gosh, if you practice that as a centering habit, that's better than going to a monastery at six months 24-7. Right. <laughs> There's your practice. You know, another thing I noticed, Tom, that, that works for me, and I, when I feel the tenseness of when I'm in a mediation, for example, when everybody around me is starting to get angry or start to, you know, get into the argumentative position instead of the problem solving in which, you know, I sit there with people who are attorneys and non-attorneys, et cetera. I notice that when it increase, when the conflict increases, I have to focus on my stomach muscles to, to literally tell them to release Absolutely. to let go and and then when i do that it seems like i am then open and receptive and able to transform the energy in the room by just telling my stomach muscles to relax absolutely so a lot of the what angus angus is the the sort of the protagonist the, the hero i guess of our of our little three deep breaths book and he goes through all of these various teachings that allow people to really understand it and practice it but Breath two is also, and I know you do, Mari, because it follows on what you just said, is you have to come back to what's my highest purpose here. Right. Most people, in their little conflicts every day, they need to stop, yes, and pause, but they also have to ask, what's the highest purpose in this relationship? They have to get beyond their little point of view of the moment of being right, and they've got to really go to their highest purpose. It really brings things back to a bigger viewing point. <clears throat> and that's a, critical, that's, a, that's a critical breath there. So that's what I call the second breath. Once you get your body and mind present, the next thing is to ask, what's my highest purpose? Now that'll change. If you're going home at night, you know, your purpose might be, I want to be the best um, uh, friend, Dad wife, friend. spouse, yeah. parent yeah. I can be. I want to be loving, friendly. You know, when you go to work, it might be, I want to be energized. I want to be a committed team player. I want, in other words, the purpose that you have in any given moment may change given upon where you are. But training the mind uh, to do that periodically throughout the day is critical. Gandhi, Gandhi said a beautiful thing. He said, I never let anybody walk through my mind with dirty feet. Isn't that marvelous? Yes. <laughs> so if we can't just, if, if thoughts are going to come rushing through anyway, why don't we spend time each day after we get centered choosing our highest thoughts. Yes, and we have that choice. And, and I love what you said about this. One of the, the quotes I see in your book also is, everywhere I look, I find my master teacher in disguise. Okay. And, I, and I have a, a client that I had many, many years ago who you know, talks to me on Facebook, and <laughs> he was a, a victim of criminal identity theft, and his uh, identity thief was a murderer. Anyway, he went through just total hell total hell. Oh, and, and, and I kind of walked him through it. I was there for him. And so he kind of, he's still, he lives in Ohio and he, he still writes me and, um, he went through a really tough time and with some people that hurt him. And I said, you know what? I said, the people that hurt us are our best teachers. Yes. And you know, we, we can learn from them. And that's, then I opened up your book and I saw this and I thought everywhere I look, I find my master teacher in disguise. And it's true. When we are in conflict, the people who we learn from or learn about ourselves are really, when we're in conflict, we really grow and learn. Absolutely. Hopefully, if we, if we don't, 
you know, let it escalate out of control. If we see that that conflict is really a, a blessing in disguise to for some higher learning, for some lesson that we have to face in life, right? Absolutely. I mean, this is what I, I, I the third breath is the discovery breath. Yes. It's to keep this very high, curious attitude by whatever is in front of you. That is the gift. That is the gift in which there's pearls. If we really look, that gets us into asking questions, not being right. You know, one of the, one of the great experiences I had in my life around it, it helped helps me to remember this take time to to discover rather than to be right happened in with the humpback whale i was with um, a good old friend of mine dear friend john denver who's the old singer songwriter right i love him we were him. in hawaii and um, you know we had this john got between the the mother we were doing a footage for a tv special and john got between the mother and the baby and we had to get him back in because the, the mother was acting real aggressively Right. And they sent me out to, to, to the cameraman and John. Well, I missed them. They came back to the boat, and I was still going out there. And then in this blue, blue, this whale came at me at an enormous rate of speed, myself and another and a whale researcher. Mm. And it just came. You can imagine how much speed a whale can, because they can oh, get yeah. 40 tons out of the water in a full breach. So a huge speed. I can only see 100-foot visibility. And, you know, if they're moving at, say, 30 miles an hour, you know, by the time you see them, clearly they're through you. And this whale came up and stopped on a dime about 10 feet from us. Now, magnify 40 feet, 40 tons in the water. Wow. And, and then all three of them had come. And, you know, the baby was on top of her. The big guy was underneath. Oh. And, and she started to make sounds. Now, when a whale makes a sound, when you're 10 feet away in the water, your whole body vibrates. You know, we don't know what she's saying. We didn't speak whale. Right, But right. it was incredibly impactful. This eye, looking directly into the eye, 10 feet away. Mm. This is, you know, big like a watermelon, but 40 feet around that. And then the whale did this very easy, gradual turn and bumped, bumped uh, Dan McSweeney very, very gently. Mm. And then, you know, just like he's, in, oh, okay, everything's okay. And then two or three flukes, they disappeared into the blue. Wow. So here's what I got out of that, Mari. I got very clearly in that moment that I don't know anything. Hmm. And I want to be real precise about that. Of all there is to know in the universe, how much do you or I know? If I were to make the percentage between my thumb and my forefinger, and I put it out there, say a couple of inches apart between my thumb and forefinger, you say, no, that's the percentage that we know. You say, that's way too much. I can't get my thumb and forefinger close enough together and still be a part to represent the amount that you and I know of all there is to know in the universe. Right. So don't you think it's rather silly to spend so much time trying to be so right about so little? <laughs> I love it. So when I remember in conflict, under stress, to get centered, to start looking at my highest purpose, and then... I see this eye, metaphorically, this mm. eye, and the eye tells me, embrace, breathe in the mystery. Let go of all that little stuff that you think you know and get out into what you don't know. You'll become curious. You'll be fascinated. You'll create an environment, as we talked about earlier, of respect and understanding because you want to learn, your purpose is clear, and you're centered. 
three deep breaths. Right. Oh, I love it. So I want to just make sure that people know that they can get three deep breaths, finding power and purpose in a stressed out world by Thomas Crum. Thomas, you're just wonderful. I have always enjoyed your books and thank you so much. We will have to have you back again very soon. And God bless. You're just terrific. Thanks, Mari. ThomasCrum.com. They could get find all my stuff on the internet also. Perfect. Okay. We will have you back very, very soon. Thank you so much. All, All right. right. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 80, 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And visit our website at conflicthealing.com. It's about trust. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.